Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> okay. I think this is the first time that I didn't look down and check whether we were on, but now we're on. So, Tori, how are you? Good. How are you? Oh, look at that. It worked. Oh, I love it. Um, I'm good. Um, I'm so glad that we were able to finally do this. Um, oh, uh, I just told you, but I didn't tell anyone who may be watching later that there may be a chirp in my background due to the smoke alarm. So, to anybody, I apologize if that happens, but can't be avoided for now. So, anyway, um, well, let's go back to how are you, because <laughs> that usually lasts longer. <laughs> I oh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm I'm good. Um, what are you doing? What are you up to? What's going on? What's the normal um, stuff? So I just had a massage. Oh god, I need one of those. It was very nice. I have the same person I go to, so that was pretty cool. Um, so about it. You know, on the weekends I'm pretty boring. Um, back in the day, you'd go out and do fun stuff, and now I clean the house and take care of the kids. So. Oh yeah, I'm I know. Sadly domestic. I yeah. Know. <laughs> Horrible. No, I, I don't know about you, but I have realized that it's a sort of 20s, 30s thing, um, where in my 20s, I, I think this is mainly because I was uh, insecure about a lot of stuff, but I was really obsessed with um, having what I thought was a life, and mm -hmm. I had this epiphany when I was about 27, I think, maybe a little bit earlier, where I went to go to, oh God, I, it was some, some comedy show through work or something, and... I was at Universal Studios um, uh, uh, CityWalk. It's this, mm -hmm. for people who don't know, it's this um, huge, like, theme park-ish area, and it's lots and lots of people, lots of, you know, chain restaurants and stuff. And what I realized was I was kind of traversing this huge crowd, I mean, gigantic crowd, and very packed. And my first thought was, oh, I'm having fun, because I'm in a crowded area, and there's lots of neon. And then I thought... I'm actually not having fun at, at all. Like I don't enjoy this, and 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 I also realized that all the people everywhere were just kind of wandering. They weren't really doing anything, and I thought, isn't this a weird construct? You know, we we tell ourselves that this is fun. We tell ourselves it's fun when we're doing it, but That's for me, it's not. And then and then uh, and then later, I realized, like you know, I think I'm actually just into sort of just hanging out with friends. But now, uh, now that I'm deep into my 30s, I'm like, you know. I think just watching Dexter with the wife is is fun. Like <laughs> I can do that. So I don't know if you have a like, I mean we don't have the kids thing like you do, but um yeah, it's definitely it's like all of that stuff that seemed to be important in my twenties just kind of melted away and I went like, well, I'm good with this. <laughs> you know, it's funny, like you wanna you wanna weigh what is it like the the biological thing, you know, because yeah, I can't go out and do as much as I could when I was twenty one, like when I was stupid like that. Is it a intelligence thing? Am I smarter now because I just am? Is it, you know, a societal thing where people my own age that I'm friends with don't really go out as much anymore? I don't know what it is, but um, or maybe it's just the guy I ended up with, you know. We, <laughs> it's all his fault. Yeah, it's, let's just blame him. That's fine. No, but it's just so much easier to, I mean, last night, Saturday night, right? Mm -hmm. And we're like, okay, we're going to watch a movie. And then the kid goes to bed, and instead we're like, we should just read. <laughs> just read. <laughs> such losers. Yeah, I, I'm actually bad at that. That's what makes us happy. So. No, I mean, that's, that's the thing. I, I think it's it's a good question you raise. Is, is it, where does this pressure come from? And I, I don't know the answer either, although... 
I suspect it's kind of a mix of all of them. Pardon me, everyone. I'm eating a little bit because I'm starving and I haven't had breakfast yet. Um, uh, yeah, because I one of the things I realized about the bar scene, well, at least for me, was that um, it seemed to basically always only be a mating ritual. And it was a mating ritual that I knew exactly. I... But well, actually, I didn't know, but I, I felt that I was terrible at. Because when I heard how it went mm -hmm. down, usually you go walk up to a girl and you talk to her and you offer her a drink. Um, I didn't usually try that, but when I did, I failed miserably at it. Like, it just... <laughs> and without using too much ego, I think it's safe to say that by general societal standards, I'm at least average looking, if not putting Brad Pitt out of business. And so, you know, it wasn't, I didn't think it was because I was atrociously ugly. Um, my social skills are not fantastic, but I didn't think it was that either. I mean, I thought it might have been that. I, I, you know, I wasn't sure exactly what the reason was, but I thought, wow, like, I don't know what I'm doing terribly wrong, but I'm obviously doing something terribly wrong. And that's when I started going online. I was like, and it worked a lot better. Because <laughs> I, I think, yes. the, you know, the social stuff um, wasn't as immediately difficult. Um, although I did make some mistakes with that stuff, but I just, I don't know, it was... And then the funny thing, I don't know how you feel about this either, but um, I later found out from several female friends that one of the only reasons they did the bar scene was they really didn't know what else to do. Like, they thought that was their only option. And they kept being um, surprised and disappointed when the guys they met turned out to be, um, I don't know, the stereotype that you think of, like, hey, baby. And they constantly felt disappointed because these were guys who only wanted to get them into bed and then once they had done that they never could, like all of those horrible things happened and then um, a friend actually told me that one of her friends said to her the guy that you want is not in a bar he's at home on his computer so you need to go at home on your computer and that's how you'll find him and then you know that's actually how I met uh, my, my current partner so <laughs> yeah. and that's how I met mine he lived out near you and Oh, okay. Ohio. Wow, now that is impressive. What, what did awesome. you say? What did you say to bring him out there? Um, nothing. I was just my my wonderful self, and he was smart. <laughs> I think he was tired of the of the Southern California lifestyle and um, was looking for. Um, I mean, Ohio's nice, you know. I mean, right now we're cold, but it's it's not as dirty. When he came out here. I swear, nobody believes me. For six months, he coughed up nastiness out of his lungs, like wow. just the, the smog and stuff from living out there. You would do the same thing if you That's moved not to shocking. a normal place. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's so funny. That, like, did you grow up there? No, I grew up in Oregon. So, um, oh, I mean, I've been in California for most of my adult life now, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I know, I have a music comparison, I know that there's a difference. Um, I, this may not make a lot of sense, but for some reason, Oregon air feels a lot more crisp than yeah. LA air. Yeah. Well, the, thing, the thing about crisp is it, it's like, I can't, I don't know if I can measure that. It's just sort of this, <laughs> this arbitrary value that I've pulled out of my ass. Um, but I, I definitely feel that when I, I'm like, it feels like real air, and I don't know what that means either, but... <laughs> No, I, I know exactly what you mean because sometimes even like sometimes in Ohio we'll get Arctic air that comes down and oh. then we have regular air and I can't explain the difference. I'll have to pull Matthew outside and be like, okay, breathe this in and then a week later, okay, breathe this and it's sharp. Exactly. It's crisp. You can feel it in your lungs. It's just a different kind of air and it's probably that, that 
clean air, but it's something else too. It's it's the maybe the mixture of humidity and dryness. I don't know what it is. Yeah. It is different. You're right. Um, I wanted to ask you something specific about uh, your your experience with with here because um, I think we had talked. Oh, it was months ago now, but it was um, you were coming out here with your family to visit um, uh, California Adventure, was it? I think we went and, to um, we went to Disney. Yep. And I, I okay. Now this this sounds extremely unprofound, but I'm just very curious as to what your experience was like because I was there around the same time. It was like a few weeks earlier or something. And I remember specifically the Cars ride, um, and I because the line was so long that I was looking it up on my phone, and I think they spent something like two hundred and twenty million dollars on that one ride. Wow! And I think did you think, say billion with a B? No, 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 million. Oh, million. Okay, I was like, <laughs> whoa, that should have been a much better ride. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's why I, I I'm curious as to what you thought because. Um, Basically, living out here, you know, all the time, I, we are spoiled with with great experiences like that in theme parks and stuff. And um, for example, by comparison, the the ride uh, the rides at Universal City, I I think are okay at least in terms of theme parks. But um, they actually have better highlights, in my opinion. Like um, the uh, the Simpsons ride there is fantastic. It's this three D ride. It really does feel like you're in a Simpsons cartoon. The animation is great. Like there's so much great stuff about it. And um, the Cars ride, the production design, if that makes sense to anyone, um, just the, the physical design of it was absolutely incredible. Like, I really felt like I was in some Arizona canyon of, of some kind. Now, beyond that, it was basically you're in a car and it's driving really fast in, in some points, and, and it, it kind of feels like the the experience it kind of, okay the Simpsons you're looking at something but in the Cars ride you're kind of in this world that they've constructed and I remember thinking kind of what you just said like wow this looks incredible it feels like I'm in the Cars movie which actually isn't so great because I didn't think it was a great movie but it does feel like I'm in it and I kind of wish it were better <laughs> like if we're gonna spend 220 million dollars but yeah I was really curious about what you thought about it because um, I feel like I've been spoiled in that kind of experience, but you obviously have not necessarily been as spoiled in the same way. Well, you know, it's funny because I grew up right outside of Cedar Point, and oh, I don't, a lot of really people familiar. don't know what that is, but it's in northern, um, it's in between Toledo and Cleveland, it's on the lake, and it is one of the best amusement parks in the entire country, if not the entire world. We, they often have the oh. highest um, roller coaster at any time, so... I mean, I spent summers, you know, 13 years old, you get a season's pass, mom would drop me and my best friend off at the front gates, and they'd come and pick us up at night. Like, it <laughs> was true. roller coaster city. So in terms of, a, of an amusement park, nothing's going to impress me, as crappy as that sounds. It just no, actually, that, that sounds very interesting, in fact. Um, I, please keep going. But yeah, no, that, that, I, I understand what you're saying, absolutely. Mm -hmm. However, taking a five-year-old, to a place where, I mean, think from a five-year-old's point of view, the only oh, yeah. movies he's seen are Pixar and Disney, yeah. where he gets to see actual, you know, characters from, you know, his movie, his favorite movies, and I mean, there was like a Phineas and Ferb dance show, which blew his mind <laughs> when he was four or five years old, however he was then. I guess he right. was four. He was almost five. Um, and to actually see the cars thing in front of him. I was so excited to be there. Now I was also nervous because I was meeting Matthew's parents for the first time, and they showed up there. But that oh. was fine too. Um, <laughs> and so I was trying to impress them. But 
Um, that worked out just fine. But I mean, just seeing it with him there was it was pretty cool to me. But if I were to just go by myself like you did, I would be like, this is crap, whatever. I mean, it, it was okay, but it certainly wasn't mind blowing. You know, it's interesting. Mind blowing. It's interesting. Um, I'd love to know what you think about this too. It's interesting what holds up um, from experiences that we have in our memory as like being fantastic because um, for me, quite a lot of Disneyland holds up. And I think the reason is that my expectations are not like off the charts. Um, uh, ironically, uh, California Adventure for me did not blow me away. And I think. I think it's an expectation thing, but I also think that they just, I think that the designers of Disneyland just did a better job. I think they knew what they were working with, like they had a limited amount of space, and one of the challenges, I'd love to talk to an interior designer actually about this kind of stuff, because one of the challenges is you have, you have basically this circle of space, and you have to create the illusion for your audience that it is, you know, this whole other world. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways they do that, I think, is is what, I don't know if this is an official term, but, but uh, switchbacks were like, you're going one direction, and then the and and you're you've got like a wall that's decorated, you know, in an appropriate way, and then it switches back on itself, but you don't see that. So you get you're you're turning back and forth, kind of like what you would on a, on a windy road, and mm -hmm. it feels much longer and farther and deeper than it actually is because the physical constraints are such that you you can't actually go beyond that immediate area where you are. So, like the Indiana Jones ride, there uses that a lot, where it's basically this long tunnel. That goes into the right area, and then the right area is actually basically this this little sphere of action that all kind of takes place in the same area. But it feels just epic when you go in because of all of these plants and shit that are everywhere, and you're going back and forth and back and forth. So I don't know what the physical dimensions are, but it's it it feels incredible. It feels um, just gigantic. And then when you walk out of it, you kind of go, you know, this actually is not that big. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm I'm curious about how like those spaces and how that all works, um, and I, I think I had another point, but I, <laughs> but the, um, basically, oh, oh, what holds up, and, and the uh, psychology of that, because, um, like, the, the, the castle, the central piece of, of the whole thing, um, it holds up pretty well, but the thing is, when you're a kid, and you go there, because the first time I went to Disneyland, I was eight, it just looks, like, astounding, it looks like a real castle, when you're an adult, it, it, it isn't quite that big feeling, but it still feels like something that came out of one of these storybooks. And so what's interesting to me is I think they may, in fact, I think I read somewhere that they, they scaled things down a little bit so that for children it felt closer to their perspective. Um, but what I, uh, what am I trying to get at? Um, oh, oh yeah, it's the holding up. Damn it, the holding up. Now, related to that, um, I, a friend of mine posted on Facebook this thing about... Um, I don't know if you remember the movie Reality Bites, but she was basically going on about how it was kind of a shitty movie about shitty people who did shitty things. And I also commented on there, I was like, yeah, you know, at the time that I saw it, I was blown away by how much smoking was going on, like, in every single scene. It was just, like, everywhere. And this was 94. It wasn't like it was, you know, 33 or something. And she remarked how it didn't really hold up because it was, it was basically kind of a kind of a douchebag guidebook. Like, you know, you've got this whiny chick who wants shit, but she doesn't want to earn it. And and I thought, God, you're right. But then I watched uh, Spaceballs recently, and it's true that some of the stuff is more anachronistic than it was when it first came out. Like, they talk about, you know, Mr. Video. We have instant video cassettes, and nobody uses that anymore. But so much of the humor just was just right on still. You know, it, it was so funny and so 
uh, clever and 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 I, I I thought why is it that I don't even want to see Reality Bites again, but I could probably watch Spaceballs once a year every year for the rest of my life and still find it funny. And I don't know why that is, but um, I've been thinking about because it a lot. Spaceballs, so. that's why it is. <laughs> well, <laughs> great. <laughs> but I but you know you know what I'm saying though it's like why do some things or oh god um, I just saw uh, last year the Never Ending Story. And it, it was on a list, I think on Jezebel, of um, like top movies that you should not see as an adult because it will be ruined for you. And I went into it thinking, no, that's not going to happen. I love this movie as a kid. It was so much fun. It was so um, visually amazing, uh, not by today's standards probably, but, but then it was just a, a revelation. And it was kind of a crappy slow movie, you know? It was like, okay, ho-hum, this kid's got to get this thing, and we don't even really know what's going on half the time, and there's this talking dog dragon, and... And it, it just, and I couldn't really even tell you what didn't hold up, but it just, it was like, eh, okay, <laughs> I guess. So I, I don't know what governs these things, but it, you, you made me think of that when you were talking about the theme parks and stuff. You know, Matthew just um, sat Alex down and showed him the never-ending story, and Alex thought it was amazing. And the only thing I remember about that movie, and I refused to watch it with them because it terrified the shit out of me when I was little. Like, I was so scared of that damn dog. Oh, and, really? Okay. And the idea of something being never-ending, I think I was, like, hitting an existential moment in my development. <laughs> but, like, the never-ending story, oh, my God, I, I can't be never-ending. Like, for whatever reason, something inside me refuses to watch that movie again. But I remember, um, God, I mean, he watches so much stuff that I thought was so great. And I look at the movies now, and maybe it's because we're desensitized, too, because we have such great movies out now. And back then, they were... They were 80s movies, and yeah. they were pretty crappy. And um, you know, now we've seen good, and maybe that's why they look so so bad too. But I don't know. Labyrinth will always hold up, even though I mean, I don't know. Labyrinth, you think about it, and it's kind of creepy. And David yeah. Bowie's got that package bulge hanging on, and that hair. And you know, I didn't notice the package bulge. I guess I I guess I just don't pay attention to those things. <laughs> Because I saw that the last time I saw it was like ten years ago, and I and actually held up pretty well for me. Um, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It was it was kind of creepy, and you should watch it again and just look for the bulge. And, and even the whole that. conceit, where isn't it like she she rescues her baby brother, but then in the end she's like, oh, I miss those guys, and they're like, oh, we miss you. And then the next thing you know, she's kind of back in the world. And it wasn't clear to me whether she was really back in that world or whether she was just sort of imagining it. But she seemed really happy there, and I thought that's kind of weird that. She she would rather be in this fake world where she will not get what she needs out of life, like mm -hmm. I don't know, a job and food. <laughs> but she she's and, and, and I, you know I'm reading too much into it because obviously it's a kids movie and a kids movie is you want to be in the fantasy world. But I, I remember definitely thinking like I don't remember it even ending like that. That's strange. Like why would she want to do that? I mean it did, I guess it didn't seem that great to me that she had experienced because she experienced a lot of you know um, danger as well. So why would she want to? Oh yeah, this is better. But I don't know. It's a kids movie. <laughs> um, I wanted to um, point out to I, I've actually done a terrible job of this uh, in the last few movies that I've done where I haven't told anyone how I know the person I'm talking to, and so I want to give a little background here. Um, now, stop me when I get it wrong, because I may get it wrong. <laughs> you and um, and Jacob Kramer started supportatheism.com, is that correct? Um, actually, um, Borsch, Nikolai Borsch started Okay, I'm, see, I'm already... 
with, <laughs> are you failing with at Jacob, this? With Jacob Kramer, and then I met him somewhere on Facebook. I don't remember where. And um, I wrote for them a couple articles, and they're like, yeah, you should probably just be like an editor. And so hmm. um, eventually I... Do you want me to just keep narrating, or did you want to? Well, try well, what again? I was going to say was, um, <laughs> so you you guys started, and I don't remember how I found it, but I I I wanted to let everybody know that I I remember being very impressed at the time because um, you guys had this editor system where, and again, you'll have to interrupt me. You you had like someone would submit something, and then you know two or three people vetted for uh, style content, just fact checking, whatever. And then once it had been approved, then it would be. And I, I, I know that it was basically all volunteer stuff that we were doing. But I was, I remember being very impressed that there was the system involved, sort of a, a QA system, and then, um, and then the site I, I recall looked really cool too. So it was like you, I, I guess you kind of felt like you accomplished something if you got through that process. And then I think you also had some sort of merit system where once you'd sent in and had three articles published and you got bumped up to something, bumped up something else. And I, it was it was this really um, what I felt was a very professional way of, of doing things because without naming names of other places, I've seen some places where you just, it, it doesn't seem like there's any vetting at all. It just sort of people dump on a page, which mm-hmm. I, I think does have its place. Um, I, I, like, I dump on my pages. You know, I, I, don't, I don't bother. In fact, I've recently um, committed to not worrying about any structure because I figure if the word is blog or vlog that ultimately comes from log and a log is not an article a log is just you tell the log what is going on like a diary and so um, there's no editorial standard for me I, I get my spelling right usually I get my uh, punctuation right usually but beyond that I, I in fact I even usually say like you know what this is I don't have a, a point here just this is these are my thoughts and I feel like a lot of even very famous sites out there within the atheist community kind of go that route, and I kind of wish they didn't. Um, and that was something I really liked about what you guys were doing. And then when it started slowing down, I actually was like, damn it, you know, one of the better quality things out there that really put out some great stuff. And, and I'm not just, of course, talking about mine, but <laughs> the, the other great stuff that I saw, I was, I was kind of, I was like, oh, man, like, this is the last bastion of freedom. And <laughs> so... Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure where I was going with that, but other than describing it, but um, but you haven't interrupted, so I guess I got most of that right. <laughs> you did, and you know what I was gonna say is that I really loved that process as well, and it, I, w- I didn't start that process, but I definitely. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. Uh, show's well, over. No, okay, but, thanks. No, um, thanks for I, joining. <laughs> but I definitely really jumped on board with it when when I got in there and eventually when Kramer left to um, do the National Atheist Party stuff because he's the okay now it's all coming together in my little head vice president as far I think still um, I I took over as editor-in-chief and we kept it you know the same way for a while and then things just started disintegrating Borscht went away for a while and he kind of kept the server and that's right I don't know where he went, and um, people just started kind of hopping off the ship like like rats, and um, yeah. so we all kind of started doing our different things, and it finally just disbanded, which was unfortunate. But no, it was it was really good while it while it lasted. So yeah, that was I remember uh, writing to you several times saying like, "Hey, what's going on? I'd I'd love to mm-hmm. 
you know, do and and I I felt such pain on your end because it was like, well, the server's still. I was like, oh man, like <laughs> this is a really good. I, I guess that was the thing that I I really lamented was, as I said, you know, there there are places out there that are much more famous and much more visited that I I don't generally think do very interesting things, and um, I don't know why that is. Um, I don't know whether their editorial process is different, but but I. I guess I kind of thought it's kind of like a movie you're watching where the 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 character you really like is stabbed in the gut, but the bad guy <laughs> lives, and you're like, no, not that guy, that guy. But um, right, right. Yeah, and um, the, the time that I was writing articles, because I don't really do it anymore because it takes forever. Um, that was definitely one of the times that I enjoyed it more, because um, not only was there positive feedback, but I I I don't know, I felt like there was this this bit of an engine in the community going that we were all kind of. Kind of a, a group project, if you will. Um, it was nice. Which which I did enjoy. Um, and so when I started to feel that, and in fact, I would almost say that when that started to slow down, that was when my own article writing slowed down because um, I have since been invited to and have contributed to um, A News, uh, their A News Reports thing, mm -hmm. and then uh, Bridget Godet's Free Thoughtify before she changed that to basically her thing. And... In both of those instances, it was not any fault of theirs, but I definitely felt a drained uh, energy for doing that. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not sure why that was, but I, I definitely was like, you know, I, I think I think my passion for writing interesting bits for general atheist topics died with supportatheism.com <laughs> because I just I'm, I I I would stare at the screen and be like, okay, um, well. Why don't we start with a quote? Webster's definition is, and I was like, oh, that's shit. Oh, don't that's, do that. No, don't do that. <laughs> Please never do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now, I, I, okay, I, I'm mostly ignorant of this, but I do know that you are writing other places, and I know one of them is parenting-related. Um, so did you go directly from support atheism to those things, or was it a longer process, or what, what was the deal here? So, um, once support atheism kind of bit the dust, um, I I didn't do much. I kind of did some writing on my own blog, which is not a very successful blog. It's just something I do so that I can start writing. But um, oh, don't worry, nobody visits mine either. <laughs> <laughs> just my own little blog. Um, so, what I I did was um, at one point my boyfriend saw a call for atheist teachers to start writing for a network and I got really excited about that. Oh wow. Um, because it's kind of a a niche area where yeah. you know, yes I'm a public school teacher, yes I'm atheist, no I can't really talk about it, but no, we really can't talk about religion in the classroom either. And so, you know, you be diligent that that doesn't get into any part of the curriculum. Um, and so I was very excited and so I um, helped start a website and eventually um, became the administrator of the website for atheist teachers and I still write for it but um, kind of run out of things to say. Right? <laughs> what do you say after don't uh, do it? Right. It's bad to mix religion. It's not like my kids come in every day and there's a fight every day with a parent about hey you should really start teaching them about the Bible story like it or the right. the nativity scene or something like it's it's not that big of an issue so it it's hard for me to gather information. So on the same network, they started a parenting site. Okay. Um, so I hopped on board with that, and so um, I'm one of the editors of that site. But again, I, I really wanted, just like you were talking about, like I really expected that when we had a, a network that I would 
edit the articles, look at the articles, have a say in the articles, and that doesn't really come up. Um, okay. It's pretty much just like we we had a, a long list of applicants for the for the parenting one, right. 200, 300 some applicants, and the ones we chose were good writers of their own merit, and so that was great. Um, so I don't know that there's not that much of a need for me to go through and look at stuff, but um, it's definitely not the same kind of community. It's more like you go post and let us know if there's a problem. But um, so anyway, atheism parenting, like there's a lot more topics to talk about, and you can kind of go off and just talk about parenting in general. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm writing for right now, but the atheism community is just tricky. I, yeah. I don't know that I would... <laughs> the more I understand about the atheist community, the less I think that I would want to go back to just writing about atheism, because um, people are kind of mean. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that. I wasn't going to bring this up, but uh, it's, uh, oh, and, and I'm not going to bring up anything uh, horrible. It's just, uh, it's not related to you, but it's, um, I, <laughs> I have been briefly corresponding with A.J. Johnson on, um, on Twitter, um, because she, she's really active, and I, I admire what she does, and hi, A.J., um, I we I haven't responded to the as of this recording I haven't responded to the latest but she was going on about a little bit about activism and stuff and and one of the things I said to her was that um, I used to be much 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 more active on the activism side and honestly it's pretty much the community it's just I find it exhausting and I I hate that I say that but um, not only for the basics of herding cats um, but I just I find that one has to cover one's ass so very much in the community, and I, I get a lot of it, you know. I, I get why people feel the way they feel about the things they feel, those things about. Um, but I definitely feel like, um, yeah, the mean thing is part of it, and, and a lot of times it feels pretty unwarranted. It's like, wow, I think you're, you're being mean for its own sake, not to prove a point or not to drive anything home. And then two, um, I, I, I don't know if this is true, but it seems like many people in the atheist community are angry as a default and sort of going after something as a default. And I've definitely been guilty of this too. And so the conversation, rather than a normal social conversation with friends at a party, doesn't start, hey, how are you? What's going on? It starts, fuck you. And it kind of has to calm down from there, but I think that's actually very hard to do as, as humans. Um, and Because I, I remember actually, that, now this is a very long time ago, so it's not quite relevant, but I remember in the uh, official American Atheist newsletter, um, there was someone who wrote in, uh, this is like 2003 or something, it was a long time ago, but um, the person who wrote in basically said, why does American Atheist support gay rights if being gay is illogical? And they went on like that. I, I don't remember all the points. But what I found interesting was, um, or, or eye-opening, I guess, at the time was, oh, you know, I, I keep assuming that a lack of faith means more than what it means. Mm -hmm. But it really doesn't. It doesn't mean anything else. And, in fact, I, I've had this debate with a lot of people with whom I generally agree where they say, like, why did this person say this? I'm like, you guys, lack of faith is the only thing we have in common necessarily. Nothing else is I would like it to be that way, but honestly, I, I mean, actually, I kind of don't because that that means that we're more congealed than we are. I mean, I've met lots of people on 
all ends of the political spectrum who also don't have faith. And we completely, vehemently, strongly disagree on some other things. And I keep having to be reminded, oh, the only thing that we all necessarily have in common is this one thing, and nothing else is, is necessary. Like, there tend to be intersections, uh, politically and scientifically speaking, but I, there, that really is the only thing. So every time that I've entered a conversation expecting it to go one way and it goes another way, I always beat my head against the wall, like, what happened there? And I'm like, oh, wait, that's right. Like, atheism doesn't mean you're smart. It doesn't mean you're educated. It doesn't mean you know anything about science. It just means you like, and you may even lack faith for not a particularly good reason, you know? And that's all it means. So I, yeah, I'm with you. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, do I really want to? No, I, I don't really want to. <laughs> I mean, you, you think from, from definition, you know, just like, okay, this is a community of, free thinkers, basically atheists, you think, oh, these are people that I'll get along with and that I'll like a lot. And, you know, my first glimpse into that society was support atheism for the most part, and I liked those people. Like you just said, they were good people, you know? I mean, that's where I met you and, and Jacob and, and lots of other, you know, really cool people and some weird people, but still good at heart. And, um, and yet, that's not how that, that's not how everybody is. Like, you're going to find different factions and different groups and different needs for all these different people. Um, and it's just really, I mean, it's kind of an unfortunate thing in a lot of ways because, you know, you go in expecting one thing and that's not really what happens. Yeah, and it's not only you go in expecting one thing, but you, I feel like it has actually become unreasonable to expect rationality. And that, to me, is kind of shocking because um, I've had a number of conversations where I'm just staring at my iPhone or my computer going, but wait a minute, this is obviously a non sequitur and obviously a, like a post hoc ergo hoc thing. Mm -hmm. And you just said like two sentences ago, like, oh, well, that's not logic. And I just, and it's like, okay, I need to stop expecting a level of rationality that, that I appear to be uh, expecting because it's, hey, <laughs> because it's clearly not always going to be uh, that case. And I would even argue that there's really no guarantee that it's ever going to be the case. We just tend to expect it. Um, yeah. Which is, see, I, I've actually, I've thought a lot about the community question recently because I've heard several um, allegations of uh, community uh, from various points. And I think it's a great idea. And I think it is something that could be and possibly should be worked towards. But... I'm not sure how much can actually be achieved because of what we're talking about. Um, and in fact, I even resist when people say the atheist community because it's like, and, and, and that includes myself, because it's like, well, is there really one? I'm not convinced that there is, actually, in, at least in the classical sense. Um, and, and given that, if that's true, I don't know that it, that it should be fought for, you know, because if it doesn't actually exist, how do you fight for something that doesn't exist? But I, I'm sure... Sure, people would disagree with me on that, but I, I just—it's something that's come and floating around my head for a while now. <laughs> right, right. So is that the uh, the boy? That's the boy. He's um. He looks had too hard. much time away from mommy. He tends to stick himself right next to me. Um, I. You uh, some blueberries. That's fine. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, I, I'm sure I was thinking about something, and I, oh, damn it, I, oh, the parenting thing, um. Yeah, I, I've talked to several uh, parents now, and um, one thing that I, I keep either forgetting to ask or I keep needing to be reminded of is, um, have you faced any challenges where, um, say, I don't know, okay, I, I can't think of anything better, so I'll just go with this. When I was in kindergarten, um, I had a very brief theological debate with someone where um, 
he said God and Jesus were the same thing, and I said, no, they're not. And I was co uh, completely convinced of my convictions because that's what my parents had told me, and I'm sure he felt the same way. And it didn't go anywhere about, you know, outside of that. Like, no parents called other parents. There was no meeting with the principal or anything. But I imagine it could have gone that way. So I've been curious <laughs> with parents, do these things ever happen? If so, what ha like, how do you deal with them? If they don't happen, do you ever worry about it? You know, just that whole gamut of stuff, because uh, I don't have any experience with it. You know, um, I've had a, a weird, just a weird parenting, like atheist parenting thing. You know, I, I try to follow, you know, Parenting Beyond Belief, Del McGowan, and, um, you know, try to try to really just make, give my, my son the tools to be a critical thinker and then not, feed too much into, like, I don't want to, you know, indoctrinate him against right. religion any more than I want someone to indoctrinate him towards religion. However, over the last year or so, because my mom's really Catholic and she's like, breaks her heart that he's not, but, okay. um, you know, for a while, you know, when she watched him, she would tell him about Jesus and the cross. And, and so for about Ooh. six months, he was this really like, little mini Catholic and he was right. about enough stuff and we just kind of nod and then but now um, he does identify as atheist and um, in fact the other day we were in the car and um, he said we don't believe in God but we do believe in Morgan Freeman and I thought that was pretty good like that <laughs> that made sense to me I believe in Morgan Freeman too so so that's perfect um, but um, I I do see as he becomes more resolute in his convictions, you know, he may have an argument here or there, or, I mean, since he's being raised by Matthew now, who is Mr. Um, I have to point out every logical fallacy on earth, you know, I can see right. him doing that by third, fourth grade. Right. But um, <laughs> I challenge any school official to ever call me and say anything negative about my son standing up for what he does or does not believe in. So right. I try to teach Alex to not say anything negative about anybody else, but he is absolutely right. allowed to stand up for what he believes in because that's what he believes in. And, you know, I think that in the school system he attends is the same one I teach in. So, you okay. know, it's, it's not saying anything negative about the school system, but I think that people in general in the United States have this, um, they're, they're, pre, um, they had this pre-planning idea that, you know, if you're going to talk about any religion, that's fine, that's hands-off, but if you just talk about not having a religion, that somehow that equates denigrating the other religion, and that's not true at all. Yeah. Just, that's just saying, I don't believe it exists, you go do your own thing, and um, I'll be damned if my kid is ever in trouble for saying that, so. Um, right. You know, you got my mom hackles up. I'm ready to, to punch somebody when that <laughs> right when that happens. No, but um, so no, I, I I don't think it would ever be an issue. And if it is, I'd certainly go in there and make it my issue then. But. Yeah, I I guess that I mean every time I've heard a version of that, it it makes total sense. And I think one thing that I would fear as a parent is um, like let's just take the concept of hell. Uh, even as a child, I thought it was ridiculous because of the shit that my my parents told me, and um, you know, they pretty much were like, um, 
they they were basically like it's bullshit and this is why. And I I you know recognized that that process is not you know it's not necessarily a, a skeptical one. But um, mm -hmm. but the the point that I started at was that hell's bullshit, and I have maintained that obviously since. And what I would maybe fear would be like a son of mine or a daughter goes to school and gets into just a discussion about hell with a, a, a classmate. Aww. And the classmate insists that it's real and that if, you know, they don't do certain things, they're going to be <laughs> And then my child says, well, that's, that's bullshit and this is why. And then that would kind of go up the ranks. And what I would find challenging would be going in with the other parents and basically saying, look, my son didn't say you don't have the right to believe this. What my son said was that according to the standards of the scientific method, etc., there's no reason to believe this. And so there's nothing wrong with that statement. But at the same time, you know, obviously a statement like that is still essentially conflictive. So I don't know if that would be the way to go or not. Or you know, I'm really not sure. But I keep hearing from parents that like, oh, it's everything's fine. So it's like, okay, well, maybe I'm just prematurely worried for no good reason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think in any situation, as a parent, you could, oh, sorry, my iPad case is being evil. Um, That's I mean, okay. Oh, the cat knocked it over. Damn cat. Um, <laughs> they any, do that. I think any situation as a parent, it's possible that you could run into situations where, you know, there's this disagreement with another parent and, you know, you have to go in and talk about stuff, but as long as I, and, and not just me, but anybody, you know, you teach your child to be kind, and you teach, teach your right. child to um, to not accuse in any certain way. You right. Know, like, You're stupid, or, you know. Right, yeah, yeah, I get you, I mean, yeah. As long as you teach them that, then really any anger on the other side is going to be just hysteria on their side, and you're just going to be able to deal with it. And you're always going to run into assholes. Right. Um, but not just atheist assholes, right? But oh, very nice, <laughs> very very nice. <laughs> I've been trying to fit that in the whole time. So. I know. I, well, you know, it's you, you do a better job than most people. It's yeah. It's it, you know, it's funny. It's actually one of those things where I'm now slightly regretting having chosen that as uh, my sort of online atheist presence in my my site name because. Um, the tone has so shifted away from the raw, like, get in their face and fuck them up sort of stuff that <laughs> it's not really applicable anymore. But at the same time, as far as I know, I'm the only one who uses that. So I'm like, it's mine, bitches. Yeah, you know, yeah. when I was when I was coming up for a name for my column for the, the uh, school website, mm -hmm. um, I eventually picked the atheist academic. And then after a while, I was like, shit, Anton has almost the same... Exact name, like yeah. I, I hope I'm not ripping him off at all. And I considered changing it, and then I was like, you know what? It, it's it's fine. It's completely. It's not like anybody's gonna yeah. mess up asshole and academic. Well, so. well, and you know what's funny about that too is that um, I've had two experiences, two kinds of experiences that are both irritating in completely different ways. One is um, the people with whom I've disagreed who have chosen to like say shit about me, which is fine. They have said things like, "Well, he does call himself an asshole." It's like, okay, guys, like very good. You know, you've. <laughs> Like okay, that's the epitome yeah, you of humor. Got one on me. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, it's like oh, 
Good job. Like you get you get the prize for wit. You pointed out half of the name. Excellent. And the other thing is when people say and these are people these are people that I know who like I've talked to on their podcasts and stuff. They're like, "Well, and there's Antoner as as he goes by the asshole atheist." It's like it's on the fucking site. Like it's it's right, typed right. out. Like how could you possibly get that reversed? <laughs> like come on. It's it's not that hard. Like no one gets um amazing atheists wrong. They're not like, "Oh, the Atheist amazing. It's never that. It's never that. It, but it's always like, oh, the asshole atheist. Like, no, it's not what it says. Yeah. It's not that bad. I think asshole atheist works too. No, it doesn't work because I didn't pick it. Right. Anyway. Um, so I, 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 it sounds like what you're saying is basically if, you're, if you teach your child to be kind to other children, then any problems that arise will likely dissipate just as quickly as they arose, which I guess... Um, I mean, it makes sense to me. It's just, okay, I think maybe I have been negatively biased due to media, which I know is a huge shock for any human, but um, I, the, the only example I can think of that doesn't have to do with me, which is actually sort of applicable, is I don't know if you if you know much about the uh, Jessica Alquist case. Hi, Jessica! Um, where the, the, the prayer banner was in her school, and then mm -hmm. she tried to get it taken out. See, that's, too, what I would kind of fear is a son or daughter sees, like, something like that and then goes to the principal and says, hey, you know, this should be taken down because it's a violation of the First Amendment and all that stuff. And I could see it kind of either slowly or quickly escalating from there and my child stand their ground, as you said, like, stand up for what you believe in because... Um, which, actually, I, honestly, I don't think is inherently a good thing and that's a separate discussion, but... Because it presumes that the belief is worthy of being stood up for, which I don't... I don't think always goes without saying. Um, but anyway, I, you know, even if that were to happen, I could kind of see what happened to Alquist happen to a child of mine. And granted, um, she has weathered that storm, and I think very uh, elegantly. Elegantly, um, I think she's handled it uh, with maturity. Um, I think she's derived a lot of benefit from it as well. You know, people know who she is. She's a hero in the community and all that stuff. Um, but I can't imagine that it went without the bruises because I have seen her talk about how like she got death threats and people on Twitter just just disemboweled her. And it's not that I think a child should be perpetually protected from the world because I think children need to learn that if you run into a wall, you will bump your head. But I would not want a child to stand up for an ethical value like let's maintain the separation of church and state and, and make it equal equal for everybody only to have a bunch of classmates make death threats, you know? Um, and that's obviously a, an extreme example, but it is possible. You know what? Look at how strong she is. Look at what a wonderful young lady she has become and what an asset to the community she has been. And, you know with such great groups out there like the, the SSA and you know the Freedom From Religion Foundation where there is support for finding information. Alex, stop. Um, Alex. A blueberry. A blueberry. Exactly. Yeah. No, he's right. Blueberries are so much more important. <laughs> um, I, I mean, nobody wants to see their, their child hurt, but I would much rather... Alex, Shoo! Stop it. Shoo! Stop it. Go exactly. Shoo. <laughs> I, I would much rather 
see my child stand up for something they believe in and, you know, get a little bit of, you know, horrible threats on Twitter. Lottie died. Threats on Twitter. It's just words. <laughs> and then you have this legal and, um, you know, family support behind you and this humongous, you know, community that, you know, we just talked about how the atheist community could be horrible, but can also be very wonderful. With lots You're of right. Actually, I'm glad you pointed you. that out. I should have pointed that out earlier. Yes, it, it absolutely can be amazing when it chooses to be. <laughs> right. Um, I, I, I don't see any problem with him standing up for his rights and someday being asked to stand up even more for them on a national or, you know, statewide or whatever level. I right. mean, that's one of the things that we're all asked to do as humans is to stand up for, for our rights. And, and if that means we're standing up for our rights, you know, in, in an entire country and people are mad at us, then that's just what happens. And that's kind of a good thing, actually. No, I agree with you. I mean, you're, you're definitely um, you're enlightening me on these issues. Because um, as I've said with a lot of people, I, a lot of where I'm coming from is just ignorance in the classical sense where I just don't know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it sounds like I've unfortunately kind of clocked into the uh, the fear side of it. I just, it's funny because, um, I don't know if you remember the Newdow case, like, I don't know, 12 years ago or something, where he sued on behalf of his daughter to get the pledge, you know, under God taken out. And um, the thing that was interesting for me about that was that um, when I, I don't know about you, uh, but when I grew up, we did say the pledge with under God, like, I think every morning, I'm not sure. And I identify you as a Christian. You still do that in my high school now. Oh, really? Yeah. See, okay, see that. <laughs> I now I didn't have any objection to it at the time because I was in that community. I identify as Christian, and I didn't think about it. And honestly, I don't even know what the words meant, so I didn't care. Um, as I got older, however, I thought, wait a minute, this does seem to be a bit of a problem. And I imagine that any children I have will go to some kind of uh, private school where it is a different issue. But mm -hmm. um, I have thought if I had children in a public school. I would want them to feel free, both on a practical level and also on a social level, to either duck out or, or not say those words without any kind of retaliation. And I would also maybe want to not necessarily take up New Dow's cause, but try to, I don't know, not maybe force the school to get rid of it, but it, I don't know. Because I actually do have a huge ethical problem with that. I, I, I get that on a practical level it doesn't really matter, like does it really hurt anybody? No, not, not really. But I do understand the objections to it, and I agree with mm -hmm. them. And so if that were to come up in a child's life, I, I don't know how far I would want to push that, but I would definitely want them to feel like if they wanted to go into the next room or something, that they did not feel like the other. And even as I say that, I know that feeling like the other is not something that can be guaranteed to never happen, and it's also not necessarily even always a bad thing because it's very educational. Mm -hmm. If you're made to feel like the other, it shows you things that you wouldn't otherwise know. But... You know, obviously, we all we, we don't want our kids to sat to, to feel like oh they're they're worse than because of a certain thing. And of course not. Of course so, not. So, yeah, that that would be a concern for me. But I, as I said, like this is basically all come from a from a paranoid um, anti news bias that <laughs> I just every time I hear a story about this stuff, I'm like, I don't know what I would do, but I would do something. I'd go in there and be like, fuck you. And and then I'm like, well, Anton, that wouldn't do any good. Like, why? They would they, you would just be known as the asshole parent who no one can talk to. So. You know, yes. um, I 
I feel now, of course, my son's only had two teachers so far because he's in first grade, but I feel that I have a good enough relationship with both of those teachers that if um, Alex didn't want to stand up during the pledge, that that would not even be an issue, um, that he could just sit down and not deal with it. And I know in my own classroom, I don't care if kids stand or not, as long as they shut their mouths and right. <laughs> don't mess up anybody else's face. And, I mean, if I got to decide whether or not – how long have you been eating that banana? <laughs> Eat the damn oh. banana. Finish your banana. <laughs> no, I've been, I've been sneaking it in when you were on camera because it's been a bite every, like, ten minutes, yes. No, okay. I've never seen anybody take that long to eat a banana. Well, ever. it's because I'm not sitting here just chomping it down. I'm, I'm eat the sneaking damn banana. <laughs> okay, I'm, this is the last chunk, everyone. Okay. Sorry, I, I was trying to sneak it. I was trying to not be rude, uh -huh. but it, it doesn't matter now because now here, want to see? Yeah, there you go. Okay. Anyway, so um, if you can stand up or not. <laughs> yes, and you know, I, I, okay, I don't even know what I was saying now because I'm concentrating and you, mowing down your banana. It, but it's it's going down. It's. There's no reason for concern. You know, I but you were just saying say, how, like, whether he stands up or not, or whether you students stand up or not, or, or that whole thing. Like, you don't care. As long as they're quiet, you don't care. Yes. But, you know, I do have to say, again, um, I cannot get over how impressed I am with the Secular Student Association and yeah. their work in high schools and universities around the United States and the people that I've worked with there just for different reasons. Mm, okay. Um, you know, I didn't realize you were working with them, but that's well, interesting. Well, I mean, just for, like to interview for articles or, you know, I mm. they're going to be doing a, a thing on the education blog and stuff. And they're actually the – I live in Columbus, Ohio, and their headquarters is in Columbus. So. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay, see, yeah. again, I'm ignorant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't so know anything. They are so amazing that I really feel very supported as a parent and as a teacher – with them and and you know they've hooked up with the Freedom from Religion Foundation, which is another foundation I'm just absolutely in love with. And yeah. um, you know they have really good lawyers, and you know I feel very safe knowing that if anything were to happen, not that I see it because I'm in a really great district, but if anything were to happen, that they would be right there behind me. Right. Um, it's nice to, that they have my back, basically. Um, so it, it's not a not a huge worry of me, but that's probably also why there's not a lot for me to to write about on that blog anymore. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, in I, the I, South, I, the South is crappy. Like, yeah. crappy stuff happens in the Southern United States. That religion and school, they're just like this one big marriage, and they're, it's just disgusting. But up here, yeah. we're good. You know, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought the SSA, because you just reminded me of something that I'd love to get your opinion on, which I actually completely disagree with. Um, and I realize that's not going to be a very popular opinion within the community, but let me tell you why. So when I heard about Secular Safe Spaces, um, this mm -hmm. program that has been started in a number of schools. I, I'm sure you know about it, but just so that anybody who doesn't know. So these, these physical spaces where students can go who identify as atheist or secular or whatever the label happens to be, and they can go there and, and feel like they will not be uh, made fun of or harassed or what have you um, based on their lack of faith because I guess this has been a problem. And I'm not denying that. I just don't have any experience with it because I'm not in the school system anymore. But... My objection to this is sort of twofold. One is that I actually have a pretty big objection to safe spaces because I feel like there is a good deal of societal coddling that goes on nowadays. And I say that not denying that people do go through painful experiences and they shouldn't 
be forced to at all. I, I agree with that. However, just as I, I mentioned a kid running into a wall and banging his head, like I strongly feel we should not pad every single wall in every single public building for the possible danger that a small child might run into them because speaking as a non-parent, um, it's it, it has been my observation that children also, they, they need to learn not to run down the street, but they also need to learn that there is a street that can be run out into. Because if they don't learn that, then they won't learn that the world is sometimes very dangerous and callous and uncaring and brutal and whatever. And they don't need to learn that when they're in the first grade necessarily, and they don't need to learn it all at once. But I feel like if we construct these frankly, um, artificial spaces where we tell people that the rules of society are different within those spaces, I feel like we're kind of telling those children or students that that is something that they can reasonably expect outside of this classroom mm -hmm. and around everywhere, and that simply isn't the case. And, and more specifically, and this is the second problem I have with it, I feel like if we tell secular students that that is a place they can go to in the school, that we're doing them a grave disservice because the fact is that it simply doesn't exist in the real world. And so you're trading momentary comfort for long-term, um, I, I don't know what to call it, like ignorant, sheltered? I, I, I'm not sure. And, and again, I'm not saying that children should just, you know, pull up their, their pants and deal with it if someone should harass them uh, specifically about a secular thing. But if we don't... If we don't let children sometimes reach for the fire and get burned, they're never going to know that they will get burned. And sometimes being told that they will get burned is not nearly as powerful as actually getting burned and letting it heal and going, oh, shit, you know what? That's a real experience. Because I don't know about you, but I feel like I was somewhat coddled by the society. Told, And this is much more general. I was told, like, oh, you know, anything you want to do, you can do if you just work. It was like, well, that's actually not true. Like, I will never be a jet fighter pilot for very obvious reasons. And that's a good thing. I should not be allowed to be because people would die. I will never be, I don't know, an astrophysicist because I'm simply not smart enough in that field. So if someone had told me, you can do whatever you want, even at, it's like, well, no, I can't. I, I don't process math the same way or as well as other people who do. So I'm simply not going to do that. It's not possible for me. And no amount of study or practice or you know cheering up is going to change that. Um, I'm not going to be an Olympic swimmer. I maybe could have had I tried early enough and hard enough, but it's not going to happen. I don't have the body for it. I don't have the exercise for it. I don't have the de dedication for it. So there are things out there that are outside of my reach for very good and very real reasons, and I feel like that attitude has continued and intensified, and some of this is just my own bias against it where I, I can't cite many examples, but that's... I get the sentiment behind what the SSA is doing with that, but I, I just, it's like, I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't think it's a good idea, and I really don't like that it's being pushed as much as it is. But now that I have dumped all of that out, I would love to know what you think. And, and even if you completely disagree with me, I would love to know why, because I would love to correct anything that I am not doing right here, <laughs> you know. Okay, well, um, I kind of have a twofold response to that. Okay. I had a twofold response. Uh, premise, so that will work out quite nicely. Um, first of all, the one reason that I would say um, the whole safe zone thing, like that this one certain area is okay if you're an atheist, um, the whole school should be a safe zone. Like the whole school should be fine to be whatever the fuck you want to believe in. I agree, and yeah. If you're Buddhist or Catholic or Hindu or atheist, 
you shouldn't have to go to a specific part in the school just to feel safe. So if my kid went to a school where there was a safe zone, you better believe that he better be safe every single place and yeah. he right. should be able to speak his mind every single place. Right. So Which, that would be Yeah. That would be one of my things against it. Now the other thing though that I will say is that sometimes and this is coming from a high school teaching perspective. Right. And perhaps even, you know, through middle school to high school, you've got kids coming in who have enlightened to to re the fact that they're an atheist at a younger age than I did, which was in college. Right. And their parents are really strict Baptists or Protestants or Catholics, and they don't know who to turn to. And so I love the idea of designating okay, you can come to this area and you can talk to somebody and you can, you know, get information and nobody's going to look at you differently for asking questions about this. This isn't going to go back to your parents sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. um, I do like the idea that, you know, there's somebody you can turn to because I think a lot of kids right now who know they're atheists early on, just like kids who know they're gay early on um, and come from certain kinds of backgrounds, don't have anywhere to go. They don't have anybody to turn to and they feel very alone. So I do see where it can be helpful for that situation, but really, in my eyes, really the entire school should be a safe zone for everything. Like, that's what no, school is for. It, it's interesting you say that. Okay, I, I, I like what you just said, um, and I hadn't, I hadn't considered your second point. Uh, your first point actually sort of supports exactly, I, I, that's even better said than what I was saying, because that actually brings up another question, uh, just sort of generally, which is, do we then set up a safe zone for every faith that there is? Because I imagine if I had a Baptist child and there was a safe zone being set up for a secular child, I would feel like, well, wait a minute. What, what about, especially because, you know, the tide of the culture is turning um, away from homophobia, but mm -hmm. some of those faiths are still pretty fucking homophobic. But according to the First Amendment, that is absolutely the right to believe that. Now, if I had a child and we supported, say, traditional marriage, I hate that term, but we'll just use it for sake of uh, shorthand, mm -hmm. I would feel like I had just as much right to my child feeling safe, believing what he believed, as the secular child. So then I would probably say, like, okay, well, if they get a safe zone, then we need a safe zone, because mm -hmm. I, I need my child to be able to go someplace where he will not be harassed by the seculars about being a homophobe, because that is not okay. And then what happens if, like, the Buddhist is like, well, we don't even think that any of this exists, so we need a safe zone for, like, <laughs> non-existence, where we can just talk about it. And, and then before you know it, every fucking room, every corner of every room is a safe zone for someone else because we have to. Which is just stupid. Yeah, and, and this is the same argument I've made against, and I, I, I hate shitting on people, uh, especially during these things, but I, I hate it every time an atheist organization is like, well, we need to put a display in the public sphere for Christmas. It's like... Let's just stop that, all right? Because inevitably it becomes everyone and every idea has to have its own little corner, which very quickly proves to be completely impractical. And so let's just say nothing. And I, so I agree with you. Like the whole thing, a school environment should be safe for children, period, whether it's physically or emotionally or ideologically. And so I would actually argue that, that you, what you're saying kind of furthers what I'm saying, which is, if you set up a safe zone specifically for one group, you are by default saying that the other groups don't have a, like, they don't deserve a safe zone or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, now, with, with your second point, I actually, since I hadn't thought of that, and that's a great thing, don't you think, though, that it would probably be a better thing to have a, a person on staff whose job it is 
to um, to guide children should they have issues with that. Um, so yeah, if you something if, like that, yeah, sure. Because because the thing is, if you have a safe zone where a per, an adult is standing there, you are you are coming out in physical space, and and yeah, it may not get back to your parents. Excuse me, but if any if your fellow students see you there, they can get it back to your parents. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just if if the goal is to have a child feel safe about coming out as gay or something else, or coming out as lacking belief or whatever the coming out is, then I don't think that having a, a, an open space like in the cafeteria is the place to do that. Because if the whole goal is to feel safe about coming out, well, I think that's the least safe way to do it because you can't control what people will think or say. So, and because you know we, we we can't have thought crime stuff, and some children may react negatively, and they should be within the bounds of the rules of the school and the law. They should be allowed to think whatever they want about that coming out, mm -hmm. even if that that should not you know come out in some sort of action like against the child. So I I just it's one of those things where, and I feel like this happens a lot with me, where the sentiment behind the action I completely understand and agree with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the action itself, I'm like, you guys, this is not the way to go. And often, I'm going to whine a little bit here, often when I have pointed out those problems, I feel like people come down to me and say, well, you're just being this way about it. It's like, well, right, but let's, let's play this out to its logical conclusion and wonder where really is this going. Because the way it seems to be going, I don't think any of us wants. But, yeah, you know. <laughs> that's, that's often the place I, I find myself in. Um, and, in fact, I... I the place I saw this on Facebook was with someone I, I usually agree, but in, and I saw this being praised by a bunch of people. I was like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> like, as you said, the whole school should be safe, and once we start designating, then you know, it, it then then we start designating. You know, then it becomes basically separate be, but equal, and as so we all know, that's morally reprehensible. So, <sighs> okay, okay, I'm done. No, I just it just popped up because I, I every once in a while things sort of catch my attention. Um, I think because because I don't um, I'm not as active in this world as I used to be. Um, I don't read as many articles anymore. I don't I like. In fact, whenever I see someone on Twitter or Facebook say, "Oh, you should check this out," with these horrible things that are happening, I'm like, "Yeah." If if it made it to the Daily Show, then I will consider it worthy of my uh -huh. attention. But yeah. a a lot of things out there, and I don't mean to diminish legitimate cases of whatever it happens to be, but it's just you know there's only so much time in the day and. And I don't like being angry all the time. So, <laughs> but that's but, what your name is. Well, no, actually, that's someone else. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, no, it's it's true though. I, I looked at um, someone bumped into. I, I have this like you know top posts thing on my site, and and I don't know why I have it there. I can't remember. But one thing that is kind of useful to me about it is that it shows what people happen to be looking at, and and it shifts every once in a while, like. Alcoholics Anonymous is bullshit is always on top, which I find very interesting because I wrote that like a one-off thing like three years ago, and I, I honestly didn't think anything of it, and then just boom, everyone started coming on it. But every once in a while something else will come up, and I'll read it, and I'll be like, yeah, this is definitely coming from a very, very angry place, which I think may have been valid at the time, but it's like I, I really loved uh, what, I, I don't know if you saw, but I, I had Mandisa Thomas on, and she said this great thing that I, I really agree with, which is it's perfectly okay to be angry, but to stay angry is not productive, or whatever she said. And, and I was like, yes, thank you, that's exactly, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, every once in a while I, things pop out, and I, I definitely feel the need to comment on them, but um, otherwise it's like, well, I, you know, we, we, would not, we would be nonstop all day, every day, and maybe that would drive traffic to our sites, but is that really a pleasant place to be in? 
or so. No, there, there's a difference between, you know, actual writing and actual discussion and then just sensationalism. And nobody wants sensationalism. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I feel like I've actually seen, I've seen that a lot in <laughs> not just our community, but in a bunch of communities. And I don't know what the social reason for this is, but I often feel like any skepticism of any of it often, if not always, leads to some pretty heated stuff. And, and in fact, um, I recently adopted this semi-formal policy for myself on Facebook where I've had to ask myself, like, okay, if I see something that I think will get me going for whatever reason, I ask myself immediately, like, is this something that you would be happy to have your mom, your wife, your friends, like, have right in front of them in a social circle, like, talking about this in real life? Mm -hmm. And if for even a second you have a pause, then don't comment because it's just not worth it, you know. And and there are a lot of issues out there. Like um, uh, Corey and I uh, last time talked a little bit about uh, the whole bullshit men's rights uh, uh, advocate movement or whatever the fuck it's called. And we talked about, you know, the things that we agree with, the things we don't agree with. And I've actually seen a number of posts on Facebook that I feel the need to say how I disagree with them in terms of that movement. But one things that of the things that I was warned about was if you comment on something, it sometimes looks like you're endorsing it, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Fuck!" So I finally was like, "You know what? I'm not, I'm just unless it's about kittens looking like Darth Vader, I'm just not <laughs> gonna comment because I'm so tired of having to defend. Like, no, I don't agree with this part of this. I do agree with that part, but mm -hmm. I I feel like this should be called out in this way. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, what what am I doing? You know, what? Why am I spending time on this? So. <laughs> well, hey, this hey. has been fun, but I have to it, cook dinner. Well, I'm really glad you said that because my alarm went off about 10 minutes ago, and that actually uh, that works out. So um, in case you haven't seen, I have these little little rituals that I do. Um, so first, of course, uh, thank you for spending your Sunday afternoon with me on this little Yay. show, which I'm, I'm now finally calling it a show after like three people said, call it a show. Um, so, so next, um, you say whatever you got to say about things that you want to promote. If there are anything, and I'll drop my usual. And then, as uh, you may know, the last word will be to you, and I'll just, I'll just end it whenever I feel like you're done, even if it's mid sentence. Yeah, that's how we oh, roll. Oh wow! Um, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So go ahead. Um, anything you'd like to uh, have people be aware of? The three people who will see this. Um, hi, three people. Um, you should check out schoolofdoubt.com and. You should check out groundedparents.com and look for Tori Parker on both of them and say nice things on my articles. Um, I get really <laughs> exactly. sad when people say mean things. Oh, I know. I do. It hurts No, me. I'm sure it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't do it. Is that Are those the two things? Those, those, that's it. I, are you on Twitter or anything? You don't do the twit? I, I'm on gets period her period way at at Twitter. I don't Twitter oh. very much. Oh, hey, that's fine if you don't. I have okay, like well, students who add me on Twitter, and then it's awkward, so I just... Oh, I, I understand. I've, I've been through similar experiences. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, the my address is right there, obviously, but I'm also uh, at, uh, at Anton A. Hill, all one word, Twitter, and that's where my YouTube channel can be found as well, which is where these all go. So, hey, everybody, looks like we are to the final word to Tori Parker. So, Tori, go ahead. Um, everybody should love each other. That's my 